This is episode 620 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Seed Starting for Preppers. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. So for more information, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode. Man, I have a lot of stuff here for you. Uh, You know, if you're one of those that like Todd, you shut up and get right to the article. Well, you're going to have to forward a lot here. You're going to have to just, you know, in your podcast catcher, you're going to have to uh, move uh, the just the, the dial over here because I got some stuff that I need to talk to you about. Some some good stuff too. So you probably don't want to miss it. So if you do skip over to just get to the article, you're going to miss some good stuff. But anyway, uh, just I, I I wanted to start off with this. So I had someone contact me through email, and they were a little confused about the email list versus the email group. So the email list is the email list like every website has. So when you go visit a website, you'll get a pop up, and they'll say, "Hey, join my email list, and I'll give you this free thing, whatever." That's usually a one-way communication type thing. So you sign up for the email list, and then the person who owns the website, then they'll send you email, right? And so I normally send an email on Tuesdays, not every Tuesday, but on Tuesdays. I send an email on Saturday, the Saturday prep, which has become very popular. And then sometimes when there are special offers and things that I get deals, I send out an email uh, you know, throughout the week or something like that. But that's very rare. So I do send out to the email list that way. The email group is something a little bit different. The email group allows you to communicate with other people that are in that group or in that email group. And so the way that it works is you register. So you sign up for the email group. It's $10 a year. It comes out to 0.03 cents a day. And you get an email address. So you send that, you send an email to that email address and it goes to everybody in the group. So those who get it then can respond to that email. So let's just say it's a email on food storage. So, so, you know, you can respond to that email or you can just read it. So whenever anybody else does respond to that email, you get that email as well. So it's kind of like a thread of emails that gets sent to you. And you can respond or you can just kind of read as you go. Now, some of these are really great. And it might be that you might want to put these type of emails into a specific folder because people are sharing out maybe links and great information and things that are very helpful. On my email list that I send out, I would probably put that into a folder too because I do send out a bunch of links as well that would be helpful. Like this last Saturday prep, if you're not on the email list, you missed, uh, you know, a really great tracking map for the coronavirus that a lot of people seemed to really were, they were very interested in, and that one received a lot of a, a lot of clicks. 
So there's a difference between the email list and the email group. And, uh, you know, the email group has really taken off. I'm really enjoying being a part of that. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's important. And so I'm really glad that that's available out there to the preparedness community. So let me tell you about some other things that are going on that I'm really excited about. I'm ready to kick off my first ever Prepper Group Challenge. The Prepper website, Build Your Own Prepper Group Challenge. I've never done a challenge like this. I've, I've never done a challenge. So I've never done anything like this. This is my first time doing it. And I'm going to kick it off on February 10th. So it's five days of videos starting on February 10th. So you can sign up for the challenge if you'd like to. I have a link in the show notes or over in, uh, you can go to the Prepper website, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, or I'm really, I'm going to kind of just put that everywhere. So if you go to the website, you'll see it as well, but join the Prepper group challenge and it kicks off on February 10th. So I'm very, very excited about this. And uh, there's a lot of other things that I've got planned and in store. And so just want to just let you know that, you know, one of those things that, uh, that I hate is that when I went to the once a week podcast episode, uh, you know, when I get ready to announce something or prepare something out there for the preparedness community, I can only do it on, you know, when I record the podcast. And so, you know, on the, on the website, I can always drop it there. I can always drop it in an email and whatever. But for those of you that just listened to the podcast, you know, I really wanted to make sure that you had that opportunity to join the, the group challenge as well. So uh, there's going to be a link in the show notes so that you can go and join the, the prepper group challenge. And so get in on that because it will be sent to you through email. So I'm very excited about that. The next thing I'd like to talk about is the survey. I mentioned the survey last week, but I made a really bad mistake. I didn't put the link in the in the description and I don't know what happened. I talked about the survey and I talked about filling it out and all that good stuff. And then I forgot to put it in there. Like in, so I guess when I checked the day after, I realized that I, I forgot to put the link in there. So I went back and, and did it. But those of you that already download the episode on that first day, you don't have the link. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go ahead and put it in the show notes so that you can uh, you know, fill out that survey if you're interested in doing that. So that will be in there for sure this time, I, I promise. And when you provide information and feedback on that survey, it just really helps me out a lot to know where we are as far as um, you know, those that are listening to the podcast and those that are coming to Prepper website and you know those out there, the people that I'm serving out there, so uh, I can serve you better when I get that that feedback. So if you would like to do that, the link is going to be in the show notes as well. All right, so here's here's the real good stuff here. I guess if you can consider it good stuff, or at least information that you probably want to know. So this Sunday, and those of you who know, I record the podcast on Sunday. Title of today's message was "World on Fire." And uh, I talked a lot about um, the, all the crazy things that are going on in the world. You know, one of the things that we started doing for the church is uploading my my messages as podcast episodes on our website. And I used I used to do it years ago, and then it, the hosting just got really expensive, so we stopped doing it. But recently, I've been able to do it again. 
So if you're interested in this one, I, I talk a lot about all the crazy things that are going on. And in fact, I was listening to John Howler on the way home. I always listen to John Howler if I if, if I catch him, if he's not um, if he's if, if he's done with the prophecy update that he does. And so I was listening to him and I'm like, wow, some people, if they listen to John Howler's update and then listen to the things that I said, they might think that I listened to John Howler's uh, prophecy update before I gave my message. But the thing is, is he does his prophecy update after I do my message. And so there was a lot of things there that we were kind of talking about uh, the same and so uh, if you if you don't follow John Howler or any of the prophecy updates, I've been doing a weekly watchman over at Prepper website. And that is when you go to the right hand uh, top right hand corner, there's a drop down menu and you can go to the weekly watchman. And I I link to all the latest prophecy update videos, the, at least the people that I watch and listen to. And I put those all in one convenient place for you. And John Howler is one that I normally listen to on the way home from church just because he's usually finishing up and it it gets dropped on YouTube and I can listen to it while I'm driving home. And so he's talking about a lot of crazy things. One of the things that I really highlighted today, or I really kind of kicked my message off on, was talking about the coronavirus in China and really the coronavirus that's all over the world right now and, and, and things that are going on. So if you're not very familiar with this and, and what's going on, I know if you if you come over to Prepper website, I've done some articles. I've linked to articles. I've linked to, to videos. Actually, Chris Martinson has a really, from Peak Prosperity, has a really great video, and I linked to his video. So as you're listening to this on the very front page of Prepper website, that video is there. But there is just a lot of craziness that is going on with this. And some people are passing it off as, okay, no big deal, you know, it's over there. Or you might not even really have heard too much about it. I was reading uh, an article on how much coverage this is really getting. And so here in America, in the mainstream media, 71% of the coverage is going to the impeachment proceedings, you know, in, in Washington. And then there was another small percentage that was for something else. And then it was the coronavirus. And so it's getting a very small percentage of traction out there in in the mainstream media, although it's starting to ramp up. So in China, if you're not familiar with this, because I've been following a lot of this on Twitter and there's a lot of information coming out, 15 cities have been locked down and they have banned travel in China. Now, I want you to understand that. I mean, people are talking about, okay, well, SARS was this and H1N1 and Ebola and all this. But think about China, think about a modern country, think about you know their economy, and they have locked down 15 cities. The city where this all kicked off is you know Wuhan. I guess I'm saying that right. Probably not saying that right. It has 11 million people in it. And so you think about their, their economy and shutting down 15 cities. That's crazy. Beijing, which is the biggest city in China, has shut down schools until January 31st. They've also extended the Chinese New Year's into February. So they're making a way so people can stay home and not travel and not do all those kinds of things because this is a pretty serious thing. Now, can you imagine a country shutting down or locking down 15 cities? 
some of the things that I was reading on Twitter that the hospitals are overwhelmed. You know, there was this one young guy that my heart really went out to, and he was just, you know, he's a he's a young guy, young. He was talking about, you know, what happens if there's somebody who has a heart attack or has a stroke or really truly needs to go to the doctor for something else other than this virus, they can't even get into the doctor. They can't get get into the hospitals. The hospitals are overwhelmed. And even if you get into the hospital, you are standing in line with a bunch of other people who might or might not be sick. I mean, people who might feel a little queasy or whatever, and they might be going to the hospital and they're standing around with people who really do have the virus and they could easily get infected that way and so you know there's all these crazy things that are going out there today or actually yeah today the sunday early morning the chinese government said that the transmission rate is becoming stronger and stronger now again this is a communist government that likes to control their media for them to say they're locking down 15 cities for them to say the transmission rate is becoming stronger and stronger is something to think about. When I was preparing my message and getting ready to to talk, you know, I, I was putting the finishing touches on it on Saturday night. Three people in the United States had uh, confirmed the coronavirus. So in the morning, well, before I went to church, there was a fourth one. So somebody in California had it, and by the time we got home from church, there is a fifth person in in Arizona, I believe. And so there's five people now in the United States that have confirmed coronavirus. There's been a lot of other people that was suspected or they're testing them or whatever, but there's been five confirmed. Now here's the deal. There is anywhere between a five and a 14 day incubation period for this virus. And the thing is, is that it is transmittable. It is, you're infectious when it's in its incubation period. So in, in other viruses where you get it and you're not contagious until you're actually showing symptoms, this is completely different for the coronavirus. So you can have it, not feel any symptoms, but you can be very contagious. So when they're screening people for this, like at airports and things, and at, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, just crossings and different things that they're doing. They're using, you know, a temperature reader to be able to, to, to see if people have fever. But the problem is, is that if you, you just got it and the incubation period is between 5 and 14 days, you might not have a fever. You might not show any kind of symptoms, but you might be a carrier of that. So think about all the airports that are just using these fever readers, I guess, for lack of a better term, and they don't see a fever. No one reads uh, as a fever, and so they just let them right in. And so that is pretty crazy. I said Beijing canceled school until January 31st. Beijing has 18.8 million people. How many students are there? And we're talking about all the way up, you know, small kids all the way up to college level. They just don't want anybody walking around and in anybody out there on the streets. And so I said this is a communist government. They've they've already admitted to 15 cities are locked down. Um, they've already admitted that the transmission is becoming stronger and stronger. But the people that are getting the, the fatalities that they have, the people that are confirmed are small numbers compared to the amount of people in China. So my question is, 
Can you count on the numbers that the communist government is giving you? Can you count on the communist on a communist government to be honest about their numbers of truly infected or confirmed infected people? I mean, I I don't know. Here's the other thing. So the lockdown in Wuhan, which which was that first city, was pre-announced. So they said, hey, tomorrow we're going to lock down the city. So a lot of people are like, hey, we don't want to be locked down in a city. We're leaving. So there were estimates of 200,000 people that left the day before. And not only that, the mayor of Wuhan, which is at the epicenter of this whole coronavirus outbreak, said that 5 million people left the city before the travel restrictions were imposed because of the Chinese New Year. So where are they going? They're going all over the place and they're going, you know, they're traveling and they're infecting other people if they have this virus and they might not, they could have left the city not feeling sick, but then they get to where they're at and all of a sudden they're sick and they're infecting other people all the way around. Think about being in a small little metal tube as you're, as you're traveling in an airplane and then those germs going everywhere, right? And that's pretty scary when you think about that. So I know that there's going to be people when, or at least when, for instance, Ebola starts, you know, rearing its its ugly head, people start to panic a little bit. When H1N1 uh, came out or swine flu, you know, being here in the Houston area, we, my school district had two schools that did shut down because of that. And they had to, uh, they had to do a complete deep clean and, and, and all of that, disinfecting everything in that school because there was kids that were confirmed with that. Now think about how much more serious this is because the, the swine flu wasn't that big of a deal. This is a little bit bigger and people are like, well, it doesn't really compare to SARS. SARS was a lot bigger. Well, this is really just getting started. Really, they started looking at this coronavirus starting in December and it has been steadily growing since then. And now here we are and this is where we're at. So am I sounding an alarm? There's people out there that are sounding an alarm. People like Chris Martinson, who uh, I thought he, you know, he runs Peak Prosperity. I thought he was just a, a financial guy, but he actually is a doctor. He's, he's like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know the specific terms, but he has, this is his field. He, he's familiar with this field. This is where his training is, although his website it deals with being self-reliant and finances and all that kind of stuff. And so he is sounding the alarm. He's saying this is pretty high up there and you need to be paying attention to this. And so I'm not doing the doom and gloom, doomsday thing, but I'm not going over here and saying, hey guys, everything is fine. Don't don't worry about what is happening. I'm saying you just like everything else, you need to be prepped and aware, right? You need to be paying attention to what is going on out there. And so I have tried to provide resources. Like I said, the Saturday prep had a link that you could get to and you can you can see the um, you, you could see the, the the tracking where it was. It has a nice little timeline. I, I believe people shared it on the Facebook group. So if you're in the Facebook group, you'll see it there. And so, you know, there's there's things that you can do to stay informed. You know, for me, Twitter is a great place because I follow a lot of news organizations. But I think it's prudent to be smart, be aware, take precautions. So stay informed of what's going on. If you can, if you have masks or you don't have masks, then you need to go ahead and get some. Uh, now, I'll tell you, 
that Amazon is already showing that a lot of the the big packages of N95 masks that they're already gone. Now I remember when Ebola started rearing its ugly head and you remember if you remember those people that were brought over uh, into the United States and you know they made a big deal about it you know in the news they were tracking the the airplane and then they were tracking the ambulance to the to the hospital and all that kind of stuff you back then in 95 masks you know were out of stock and so now they're out of stock you can get the uh, the one-offs and the more expensive ones but if you can and if you don't have any and you can you need to get to a drugstore uh, you know get to a place where you can you can buy some so you have some for you and your family if you don't have some already maybe even home depot uh, lowe's you know a hardware store they might have some there because of just dust and different things like that you just just get some you remember what i said about drug stores when you go to a drug store and you pay attention to their stock they only have two or three deep and so last time when i, I remember checking this out I mean, they were they were done with N95 masks and they just didn't have them because they were only too deep and people were already purchasing those. If you have some, if you don't have gloves, get some gloves, get some nitro gloves, and uh, you can you can buy those again at drugstores, at Walmart, whatever, Amazon. Uh, hopefully, you already have some. Watch what you're t- uh, touching. Watch what you're touching when you're out there in public. Be smart about it and then use good hygiene. We should always be using good hygiene, but, uh, you know, just use good hygiene. But I think the most important thing right now is to just be be informed of what is going on and what's out there. I think that's going to be the biggest, biggest thing right now. And so, like I said earlier, I, you know, I do the podcast once a week. If you're looking for more information as I come across good articles and I'm not just going to try to spam prepper website with a bunch of you know pandemic articles I've done a lot of those you could always go to uh, you know you, the tag cloud and you can find a lot of articles there uh, I've done a lot of podcasts you can always come to the podcast you can search for articles on pandemic and, I, and I've done uh, plenty of podcast episodes on that I think I've done like five or six and so I'm not just going to look for any type of article to throw up there but there's articles up on prepper website that will help you stay informed and all that good stuff so um that's my my two cents there for the coronavirus and just uh, stay prepped and aware stay informed of what is going on i think that's going to be really important as we see where this is headed because i'm not ready to say you know what we're in the clear or anything like that i'm going to still be paying attention all right, so that was a lot to get going on this uh, this episode. A lot of information just to drop on you. And I don't know, it might be one of those things where you need to listen to it again because I just gave you so much information. But let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. You know, one of the things that I have been seeing on the surveys that, that I've done is that gardening is a big deal. People want more information on gardening. And so when I saw this article, I was like, man, this is a great article to be able to share with people on the podcast because people want great information. And so this article is talking about seed starting and where we are right now, at least you might not be in that place where you might still be, you might still have snow and you're like, Todd, I'm a couple of months away, but that doesn't mean that you can't start seed. You know, here in the Houston area, I 
we haven't really even had a winter. I don't know what's going on. It's kind of scary. I'm afraid the bugs are going to be really, really bad when summertime comes around. But, uh, you know, you can start those seeds and, and get them going so that when you plant in the spring, you're ready to go and you'll be ahead of the game. You're not planting straight into the soil. So I thought this was a great article. There's a lot of information here. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop stop my, my yapping, and I'm going to go ahead and get right into it. Again, it's coming to us from survivalsullivan.com. The title of the article is Seed Starting for Preppers. So let's go ahead and jump in. Starting the seeds for your survival garden indoors not only gives you a jump on the growing season, but saves money that can be used for other vital preps as well. Relying on a garden center or nursery to provide already started plants for your prepper garden could be a recipe for disaster. If the SHTF in March and you have not started your own seed indoors, buying them from a greenhouse business will no longer be an option. So seed starting should be highlighted as one of the top priorities on your survival plan. Growing your own groceries to prevent the family from starving during a doomsday disaster will only be a sustainable effort if you grow your own veggies from seeds and keep a hefty stockpile of seeds always on hand to get you to the next growing season. Preppers with the greenhouse can grow copious amounts of seeds to be ready to garden every spring. But as long as you have enough space for a pop-up folding table and either good natural sunlight through a window or invest in a $40 grow light, you can start dozens of plants indoors. One of the other major benefits involved with establishing an indoor growing area is the ability to cultivate dwarf versions of non-native trees. These trees can most often live indoors during the late spring through early fall, but must be moved into a greenhouse or into a growing space inside the home before the temperatures drop too much. Dwarf fruit trees can also be started indoors during the first few months of the year alongside seeds and then relocated outdoors after the last threat of frost has passed. So here are the top seven reasons to start seeds indoors. Number one, starting seeds indoors will ensure you have vegetables, herbs, medicinal, and fruit plants to cultivate if the world goes pear-shaped before you can purchase them from a greenhouse, nursery, or garden center. Starting seeds in your greenhouse or inside your home also gives you a jump on the growing season. Those extra few weeks can mean the difference between having the time to cultivate crops with a longer growing season in case a cold snap occurs that hampers your gardening plan or allow you to try to grow crops that aren't necessarily recommended for your regional agricultural growing zone. Number three, depending upon your growing season, you could plant cold hardy crops in an early spring garden to garner greater overall yields for the year. Common early spring crops include kale, snow peas, lettuce, broccoli, radishes, Jerusalem artichokes, and carrots. Number four, being able to take started plants with you on a bug out can help keep a survival food security plan on track. Possessing the ability to have portable, growing, and viable food source could mean the difference between keeping the family fed and starving. Number five, Starting your own plants from seeds is a whole lot cheaper than purchasing plants from a garden center, saving money that can then be applied to other vital preps. Number six, if you grow your own plants from seeds, you know exactly the type of seed, GMO or non-GMO, and what types of fertilizers, pesticides, or herbicides were used in the cultivation of the plants. 
And number seven, unless you live in an urban or suburban area, which I would always strongly discourage any prepper from doing, the plants available for purchase at local greenhouses will rarely stray from traditional garden crops. Purchasing seeds online can open up a vast list of non-traditional and dwarf plants that you can grow to help fulfill the nutritional and yield needs of your family. All right, so let's talk about when to start seeds indoors. Each type of vegetable, fruit, or herb seed you plant will offer specific cultivation instructions on the back of the packet. The same can be said for onion and potato sets and root crops. But the general rule of thumb recommends not sowing annual varieties indoors until roughly six weeks before the threat of a final hard frost has passed. You do not want your plants to become too tall and spindly or root bound while growing indoors. A spindly plant will most often experience a reduced yield. A root bound plant can be extremely difficult to transplant when the time comes to harden it off and move outdoors. All right, so let's talk about some vegetables and fruit seed starting tips. So most vegetables and fruit seeds should be started inside at the end of January or by the beginning of February. Starting the seeds at this time will allow the six to eight weeks they need to get a strong and healthy start and to reach a height of approximately eight inches by the time they need to be hardened off for outdoor transplanting. So the first one is tomatoes. Tomatoes need direct sunlight at least eight hours a day and a soil temperature that is preferably 80 degrees Fahrenheit, but no lower than 60 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's 26 degrees Celsius and 15 degrees Celsius there for those of you that, that are not on uh, the, the U.S. system there. Next up is peppers. So soak any variety of pepper seeds for 24 to 48 hours to help them germinate before planting in soil. The water helps break through the hard shell of the pepper seed. Simply dampen a paper towel or a coffee filter and place the seeds inside and then enclose them in a plastic Ziploc bag, placing them in direct sunlight. Once the seeds start to sprout, transplant them into seed trays following the package instructions. Pepper seeds thrive in soil temperatures of 80 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 20 to 30, 32 degrees Celsius. Next up, Brussels sprouts. To cultivate a fall crop of Brussels sprouts, start the seed a total of 16 weeks before the expected first of the season. To start seeds for a summer garden, start them four to six weeks before the anticipated last frost. To plant, sink the seeds in full half of an inch down in the seed starting mix or potting soil. All right, so what about summer squash? Start the seeds one inch down in the seed starting mix. It takes roughly one week to 10 days for summer squash seeds to germinate. They prefer soil temperatures of 85 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius and do not transplant outdoors until the temperature is at least 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees Celsius. Okay, what about cauliflower? Well, plant the seeds at the package as the package directs 10 to 12 weeks before the first anticipated frost will occur if preparing a fall garden. Hardened off cauliflower seeds can typically be planted outdoors 14 to 21 days before the final frost of the spring. Next up is cabbage. And I think there might have been some confusion with cauliflower and cabbage here uh, because it says cauliflower, but I'm assuming it's under cabbage. So I'm assuming it's just a typo. So let me go ahead and read what this one says. 
When planting a fall garden, start, and I'm going to say cabbage, seeds 12 weeks before the expected first frost of the season. It is always best to start each cabbage seed in its own individual pot for easier hardening off and transplanting. The soil must not be wet, but kept moist during the sprouting period. So next up is eggplant. For best results with eggplant, you may want to start them indoors up to nine weeks before the final frost of spring, depending upon your growing climate. They prefer a fine and loose potting soil. Vermiculite is highly recommended. Broccoli. These vegetable seeds only need to be planted one-fourth to one-half of an inch deep in the seed-starting potting soil. Keep the soil moist at all times, but not wet. Swiss chard. Plant these seeds at least one-half to one inch deep in the seed starter mix. Each seed will produce more than one plant, so give them plenty of space to grow and thin them out before transplanting outdoors. Cucumber. Now, cucumber seeds do not need to be started until the end of February. The quickest and simplest way to start cucumber seeds is to wrap them in a dampened paper towel. Once wrapped, put the cucumber seeds in a fairly shallow bowl, then cover the bowl with clear plastic wrap. Place the bowl in a warm spot that gets full sun, and in roughly three to five days, the seeds will sprout. Next up is watermelon, pumpkins, cantaloupe, honeydew, and gourds. These crops also require a fairly long growing season and should be started by the middle of February. Melon seeds will not germinate in dirt that has a 65 degrees Fahrenheit or 18 degrees Celsius or below temperature. In most growing zones, this type of plant will need about four weeks of growing indoors before moving them outside and into the garden. Alright, one of my favorites, strawberries. So strawberry seeds need approximately six weeks of growing before they are hardy enough to thrive in an outdoor environment in most climates. Start the seed in a full sun area a minimum of 13 weeks before they will be transplanted outdoors no matter the climate for best results. The soil should be warm and moist to facilitate proper germination. I often place my flats of strawberry seeds on top of the refrigerator so the soil is heated slightly the entire time they are starting to sprout. Do not start the hardening off process to relocate the strawberry plants outdoors until they boast at least three leaves for best results. Alright, next up is green beans. Now these seeds are a hardy and quick grower and are typically sown right into the garden soil. But from a prepping perspective, you may want to start some seeds indoors so you have a portable crop and a backup for any plants that do not survive a bad turn of weather once the garden is ready for planting. Soak green bean seeds in cool water for 12 to 24 hours before planting to enhance germination. Do not soak them too long or they will not produce. Plant one inch deep in a moist but not wet soil in a sunny location. When planting green bean seeds indoors, it is best to start them only two to three weeks before the last threat of a hard frost. So next up is onions. Start onion seeds inside 10 weeks before planning on relocating them outdoors after the last hard frost. Onion sets can be planted just two to three weeks before hardening off to transplant. Both onion seeds and onion sets need full sun with a good draining soil to germinate properly. Then there's rice. To start rice indoors, soak the seeds full for a full 36 hours and allow them to dry for 24 hours before putting six inches, putting them 6 inches deep in potting soil. Cover the dirt with roughly 5 inches of water. Rice requires a warm spot in full sun to grow. Alright, coffee beans. 
And from what I understand, coffee beans is really hard to grow unless you're down deep south. Uh, I, I think like in Florida and in Texas. But the, let's go ahead and read this one. It can take two and a half months for fresh coffee beans to germinate, but it can take up to six months for older beans to sprout. Soak the coffee beans in cool water for 24 hours and allow to dry completely before planting. The beans should be sown into either wet vermiculite or a damp sandy mixture. For best results, water twice a day and make sure the soil is draining well to prevent waterlog or rot from occurring. Planting the seeds inside of a burlap bag may garner the best results. What about beets? If planting in the fall, sow beet seeds that have been soaked in warm, cool to warm water for 24 hours, 6 to 8 weeks before the expected first hard frost. In the spring, sow soaked beet seeds 2 to 3 weeks before the last frost of the season. The soil must be at least 40 degrees for the beet seeds to germinate, which should occur in one week to 21 days after planting. Then there's carrots. This is another vegetable crop that is traditionally started directly in the garden soil. If you want to ensure that your family and livestock will continue to have carrots, even if the SHTF, before it's time to plant outdoors, start carrots inside using a biodegradable container that can be placed into the ground when the weather warms enough to relocate outdoors. Scatter the seeds and cover them with only a light layer of dirt. It takes two to three weeks for carrot seeds to germinate. Then there's zucchini. Although zucchini seeds can be planted directly in the soil, you can start them indoors four to six weeks before the anticipated last hard frost of spring. Plant just one seed in each tiny pot or seed cell one-eighth of an inch thick in moist but well-draining soil. For best results, soak the seeds in cool water for 24 hours before planting. And then there's, oh, the last one is peas. Now, planting pea seeds two to three weeks before the expected last hard frost of the spring. The, they should be planted one half to one inch thick in moist, well-draining soil. Soaking the seeds in cool water for 24 hours can greatly help enhance the germination process. Depending upon the variety of pea, it usually takes 21 to 30 days for the seeds to sprout. All right, so there are some... Uh, well, we go from here are herbs. And so there's a lot of herbs that they talk about uh, in this article. I want to read the paragraph just at the beginning here for herb seed starting, but I'm not going to read all the herbs because there's just a lot of them. Um, but herbs are really smart to, to plant as well. So let me read this portion here. Herb seed starting tips. Vegetable and fruit seeds are not the only plants that can be started indoors during the final weeks of winter. Most common and medicinal herbs can be started in February and hardened off for outdoor transplanting as the last threat of a hard frost begins to pass. Preppers sometimes don't see the value of cultivating herbs, and that is a shame. Not only will herbs bolster the flavor of a survival meal, especially if resources run low and a thin soup is all you can muster, but may also possess immune system boosting and other medicinal properties. When the SHTF, you will not only need to raise and grow your own groceries, but could enhance your family's chance of survival by cultivating a backyard apothecary patch as well. So some of the herbs that they talk about here are basil, parsley, oregano, chamomile, marshmallow, stevia, garlic, thyme, rosemary, cilantro, borage, mint and spearmint, valerian, burdock, St. John's wort, 
and yeah and that's it and so there's just a lot there that you can read and a lot of those are really good to have um for exactly what they were saying there to enhance food but also for just the herbal properties the medicinal properties that you have so to close out this article they talk a little bit here about the general seed starting hints and tips so let's go ahead and finish out this here uh, towards the end it says this dirt matters each packet of seed you purchase will provide at least basic instructions to cultivate the vegetable fruit or herb including the type of soil that is recommended to garner the best chance at a hefty yield you can purchase seed starting soil from a garden center but if you cultivate your own compost using that instead can be quite a money saver to give the compost mixture extra seed sprouting prowess Consider buying some peat moss and either vermiculite or perlite to add to the mix. Standard potting soil is not generally recommended for seed starting because it is often not fine enough for tiny seeds to penetrate properly and establish solid roots. Then follow the sowing instructions completely. If the seed packet recommends soaking the seeds or stratifying them, take the extra time to not only do so, but to follow the exact directions for doing it. You may still germinate the seeds by merely tossing them into some dirt, but the end result will likely be a far less substantial yield and possibly weaker plants. You do not need to get out a ruler to gauge the depth of the seed planting, but do eyeball it to ensure as much as possible the seeds are placed at the recommended depth for best germination and yield results. And then keep them warm. Nearly any vegetable, fruit, herb, or medicinal flower seeds that you attempt to cultivate will need protection. Covering the seeds with clear plastic wrap is always a sound idea. I know this can be a pain when it comes time to water, but the little bit of extra effort can really pay off in the long run. The seed starter trays with clear plastic lids are far easier and quicker to use to start seeds than clear plastic wrap, but those seed starting tray kits are also many times more costly than purchasing a generic brand plastic wrap from a local dollar store. Make sure to use a toothpick to poke a few ventilation holes in the plastic wrap to avoid the humidity level from increasing so much that mold forms on the soil or on the germinating seeds. Placing the pot or tray the seeds are in on top of the refrigerator, on a heating pad, or a gardening livestock heat mat when attempting to hit high soil temperatures can also pay off. Once most of the seeds have sprouted, you can remove the plastic wrap or clear plastic topper as long as your home or greenhouse is not too cold or wet. If it is, a drastic change such as this one could kill the forming plants overnight. Now, watering success and failure. It is always best to use a squirt bottle to provide moisture to seeds. A watering can may dislodge fragile and still forming roots to break a seedling entirely. If the planting instructions recommend misting, which is common for incredibly small seeds or one sown directly onto the soil, use a squirt bottle, but do not directly or direct the spray downward onto the seeds or the soil where it is growing, but not yet emerged. If you don't, do not have a squirt bottle or if it breaks, try using a turkey baster to gently water the seeds and young plants. Seedlings are typically more susceptible to drying out than young to mature plants, so keep an eye on the moisture levels in the dirt on a daily basis. Now, what about thinning plants? 
If the seed packet recommends thinning the seeds as they grow into plants, do so once they get their second set of leaves unless otherwise stated. Some plants need three leaves before thinning out and separating. When you move the seedlings to their own individual pots or to a larger group container, use the best soil you can get your hands on to make the transition as easily as possible for them. Water the transplants well and move them slightly out of direct sunlight to give the seedlings time to acclimate to their new environment before resuming a regular growing schedule. Now, Room temperature. Most seeds have a greater sprouting success rate when exposed to consistent temperatures. Unless the directions on a seed packet say otherwise, it is best to keep the area where the seeds are being grown in at 70 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 21 to 30 degrees Celsius. Placing seeds in a windowsill to grow to maximize their exposure to direct sunlight is fine in most cases, but remember to place your hand on the window to check how the immediate environment feels around the seeds during the wintertime or in especially cold climates. What about sunlight? Grow lights used above the seeds increase both light and temperature. Make sure the seeds are not being exposed to too hot of a temperature and rotate them once a week to ensure that they all get a chance to garner the same top light position. If the seeds are being exposed to either too much light or heat, raise the heat lamp or turn it off several hours during the prime natural light part of the day. Keep a keen eye on the direction the sprouting seeds are growing. If they are tilting one way or another, they are likely striving to get closer to either natural or artificial sunlight. This is a common occurrence when growing indoors, and the trays or pots simply need rotated regularly as noted above. If sprouted seeds appear to be looking spindly, they are growing too quickly and perhaps getting too much sun or heat. A spindly little plant does not usually thrive once transplanted outdoors and either dies or produces a lackluster yield. So know what you grow. You may think that you will not forget what seeds you have planted in which container or can tell one sprout from another, but this is often not the case. Use a permanent marker, clothespin, popsicle sticks, or something similar to label each tray or pot. It will be impossible to properly cultivate what is growing in a seed tray or pot if you are unsure of what is sprouting in the dirt. So hardening off is always required. All plants, regardless of how young or mature they are, must be hardened off before relocating them from inside growing to outdoor cultivation. Keep a checklist of the growing times and recommendations, as well as when the seeds were started to make sure you are hardening the sprouted plants off at the right time. While there are some general hardening off processes that are used for nearly all vegetables, herbs, and fruit plants, refer to the directions for each variety you are growing to ensure you are following the specific timing of each step. When hardening off a plant to relocate it outdoors or bring it inside in a pot as the seasons change for perennials, the watering and fertilizing routine either changes or stops for a specified amount of time. Typically, the plants are moved outside in one-hour increments to acclimate or to harden them to the new environment. Any unseasonably cold or warm temperatures as well as excess precipitation may alter the hardening off routine and should be noted in plant variety specific hardening off directions. Here are some final words. Before purchasing seeds, make sure to review their intended growing zone. It is possible to grow non-native plants or those recommended for areas with a cooler or hotter growing season. Doing so, however, successfully will require 
planting, including adjustments to when seeds are started or planting them in pots so that they can be brought indoors during when your season becomes either too cold or too hot. It can be very exciting to start growing your own plant indoors so much so that you can cultivate more than you have space to grow to maturity. You must keep your garden space in mind or prepare more areas for grocery growing when the seeds are planted and not wait until they are hardened off for outdoor cultivation and there is nowhere to put them. All right, so great article with a lot of information here. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm, I, I want to bring this up is, like I said earlier, there is a lot of interest in gardening. And the thing is, you know, if you haven't started if gardening is not your thing, then don't think that when the poop hits the fan that you're going to go out there to you know some dirt and you're going to grow. There is a learning curve. You need to practice. There, you need to have some experience. So my suggestion to you is if you think gardening is something that you would like to do, then test it out. Do some experiments. Do it on a small scale. Try to grow some small plants from seeds. And, and um, this article was exactly correct. You can go to the garden center and you can, buy, you can buy seedlings that are there. And if you hit them right, you might be able to find a sale. You might be able to luck out. And, uh, you know, there's times where I found seedlings for 99 cents a piece. Well, when you do that, I mean, that's a good deal, right? And so it spares you all the trouble and all the hassle of having to grow them your, your own. But if you ever think that there might be a time where you do need to grow your own from seed, then it does take some experience and you do need to practice. So I suggest you do it on a small scale and see what happens and see where you can go with it. Um, you know, it is a little expensive getting some of the, the materials if you're first starting out. You can always hit places like Craigslist or the next door app. There's always people that maybe they got a seed growing tray one year and they're getting rid of it. They're cleaning out their, their shed or whatever and, and they're wanting to get rid of it and you can pick it up for nothing, right? Or maybe they're just giving it away for free. Sometimes going to a gardening center, they give away the small little the small little pots and you know you can grab those and, and maybe start your seedlings in there or your seeds in there. Um, if if you wanted to try something like that. And I'm going to say even the dollar store. I have seen some growing trays in the dollar store. You just have to hit it right. And you got to make sure that, that it's there. But I know that there are, you know, you go to the Home Depot or you go to a hardware store, or you go wherever, and they're already bringing out seeds and, and things like that. Because this is the time, if you're listening to this, when I release it, you know, the last week of January, this is the time where people are starting their seeds. And again, I'll say it, if you've never done it before, it might be a great experience to grow a couple of different variety of seeds from or, or plants from seeds and see where you go from there. And I would say do some that require a little bit more um, love and care, right? So doing uh, green beans or doing some zucchini, that's going to be super easy. And uh, you, you probably don't want to do something like that because you can direct sow that into the, to the soil. But do something that's going to require you to you know, pay attention to it a little bit more, that you're going to have to monitor the soil, um, you know, how warm it is or how cold it is, and, and adjust and do those types of things. And if you've never gardened before at all, 
then I would recommend going out and just getting a plant and doing it. Just, you know, even if it is going out and buying a tomato plant that's already in a big five gallon bucket and uh, just get it from Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever. And it might even have a couple of little blooms on it already. At least I, I would think that down here, in fact, I saw I saw a plant just the other day, just this weekend uh, in, in the grocery store where, um, you know, they were selling plants outside and it was it was it looked like it was getting ready to start blooming because I'm telling you, the weather that we've had down here is crazy warm. And so plants that are outside are like they're getting signals like, hey, let's go ahead and start start the growing season which uh, will be a shame if things, if they're just left out and then people don't bring them in when we get our, another cold snap, which is bound to happen before uh, winter is done. But I don't know, who, who knows? But I would suggest that you try it. And even if you live in a place where maybe you don't want to tear up your backyard, maybe you don't want to, uh, maybe you don't have a lot of space, you can always do some container gardening, doing three or four containers and just using those and, and going from that would be a great experience and you'll get some fruit some vegetables that you can uh, use in you know at home and they'll taste so much better and uh, you get that experience from doing that so i'm going to challenge you to if you've never done anything like that and you, you at least can do something in a container then do it even if it's growing some herbs on the windowsill you can do that as well and uh, and use those maybe there's some cilantro some basil some oregano that you want to you know you want to put in some some dirt you can do that and see what comes up i highly recommend that you do uh, you know do something to get gain some experience in the gardening and there i'm going to tell you there's so much online if you start looking for a specific vegetable or a fruit or there there are videos there are forums there are websites there are articles that will get you anything that you need specific information out there and so uh, you you have a lot of um, opportunities to get the information that you need where in the past it was just like you know you just either knew it or you heard it from someone else or maybe you had the farmer's almanac which is a great resource and the web the website is a great uh, website as well but maybe that's all you had and then you went from there and so nowadays we have so much information that would be very very useful another thing that they said there was uh in this article was taking note of your growing season and when you know your frost and and you know taking note of the different dates of your vegetables and when they need to go out and be hardened off and all that kind of stuff it would be smart to get a little bit of a history of your area and when the last cold snaps happen and just kind of getting an average and getting an idea of when it would be good to go ahead and and start moving outdoors and and, and those types of things uh, maybe it would be uh, just looking where the sun hits eight hours and and just being very conscious of you know what part of your yard where you can put some vegetables that need eight hours and and knowing those types of things ahead of time would be smart to do and maybe jotting those things down so that you already have them in some kind of journal or a notebook or something like that so a lot of great information like always i'm going to link to this article in the show notes so that you can go and you can reread this and maybe there's a specific vegetable or maybe there's an herb that you want to specifically 
you know, hone in on, you can do that here. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 620. Hey, don't forget the things that I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode. Don't forget to sign up for the Prepper website, Build Your Own Prepper Group Challenge. Um, that's the you know five days of video starting February 10th. That's going to be here sooner than you know it. Hey, if you get a chance, fill out the survey. That would be a great help to me. And if you are a believer and you're, you just wanted to hear what I was talking about in the, the message with the church uh, th- that I did at church this Sunday uh, called uh, World on Fire, then I'm going to link to that as well in the show notes. And so you can go and listen to that, um, you know, where, where we have that. And you might be interested in that. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can click subscribe in your podcast catcher. If you're listening to this on the website, then man, you really need to get a free podcast catcher app where you can just listen to it on your phone when you're out there. You can download it when you're at home, download the episodes when you're at home and listen to them when you're out and about. I mean, that's what I do. I download all my podcast episodes where uh, when I'm at home and then just listen to them when I'm in the vehicle. And so uh, I'd love for you to subscribe to this show and be a part of it for sure. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and I'd love for you to take a moment to connect with me. I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list. And when you do that, you will get a free PDF. And I've put together 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read from Prepper website. And some of these articles you can't even find on the internet anymore. So uh, when you sign up for the email list, you can do that. And that, that link is in the show notes as well. So guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.